and uh, welcome to the first episode of the Uncontrolled Tire Podcast with me and uh, Brian Donati. I'm Matteo Markeski, and let's get right into it. Post Atlanta, we had Kevin Harvick dominating, and the Fords in general, really. 80% of the laps led by Fords between Stuart House Racing and Penske. Definitely a uh, dominating day, one that no, I'm not sure too many people saw coming. Yeah, on the mile and a half, so, I mean, you just, I mean, right now the Fords are on top of everything. And like you said, Stuart Haas, Kevin Harvick, the Penske's, you know, Brad Keselowski and even Joey Logano ran well. But, you know, Stuart Haas finishing, you know, first, third, and uh, seventh, or first, third, and eighth, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I saw a comment from Kevin Harvick just today. Uh, he was commenting on how Almirola, getting Almirola in that 10 car, uh, really has upped their game from having Danica in their car just last year. Well, it adds another person there with a lot more of experience in these heavy cars. I mean, you know, Danica was there for a couple of years, and just even when she was with Junior Motorsports and coming up through the, you know, the Xfinity side, she just didn't have the experience of handling a 3,500-pound stock car. Um, and I don't think she ever did. So, you know, having Eric Amarola in there, being that the, the experience that he has, I mean, at one point during the end of that race, I mean, you had Stuart Haas, all four cars in the top ten. When was the last time anybody could say that? Yeah, I mean, I think they were, the worst was seventh from Almirola at one point. Everyone yeah. else was above that. I know Boyer ran at least second, I think. I think the best he ran was second. And he, yeah, and between uh, between him and Harvick, and then even Kurt Busch and Eric Almirola, they just never really disappeared. They never really even had a bad run. It was really surprising in terms of having the Fords be so strong, even with outdated cars and the new Camaros. No one really expected the Fords, I don't think, to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're, we'll cover the struggles with the Camaro a little bit on the, you know, the uh, ZL1 here shortly. But, you know, again, the Fords dominating, again, Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, you know, again, all four of them. And even Kurt Busch, you know, led a bunch of, you know, three times there for, you know, 52 laps uh, during the course of that race. Um, yeah, all out dominant you know, on the Fords, you know, for that mile and a half track. And, you know, we talk about, you know, last week in Daytona and then, you know, coming to this week, the season really started this week. And, you know, I think that, you know, with the Fords, they even ran well out there in Daytona. But to come here and to just dominate like they did, and not just, you know, Stuart Haas, but Penske. I mean, you know, Brad Kozlowski and, and Joey Logano, you know, ran really, uh, really well. You know, jo Joey struggled a little bit in qualifying 16th, and, you know, Brad having a top five qualifying position. Um, you know, uh, Camaros and, and even the Toyotas, you know, which we'll talk about later on as well, they just had no answer for them at all. Yeah, I mean, Kozlowski leading the, what, third most laps in the race, and Logano charging up through the field early on there. Seemed like he had something that he didn't have last year after uh, after that Richmond win. I think he's turning the heat back up again. 
Well, I think, you know, last year's Richmond case, you know, it just kind of took the, you know, took the wind out of his sails a little bit, you know, and then they were always trying to fight to get into that playoffs, missing that, you know, missing just that little much, you know, every time, every now and then in order to, to get to that, you know, that elusive win again to make up for that Richmond um, failure, as, as they would call it, um, just didn't happen. So, um, again, and also ran well in Daytona, and, you know, here we are in Atlanta again and running well. Um, again, struggling qualifying for Joey, but, uh, you know, at the end of Stage 2, ended up fourth uh, within that. So uh, he got one lap led there. It was probably under some uh, late race pit stops when they were trying to do some strategy. Yeah. Yeah, and on that strategy point, I mean, Hamlin and Logano both, and to a degree, Elliott, all putting it on the line this early in the season, I think was an interesting move. And it could have worked out. It sounded like there, it was going to rain. Yeah, the rains were pretty close pretty much all day. I mean, if you watch the radar all day, it kept going up and inching, inching closer and closer and closer, but never really hit the, you know, hit the track. But, you know, as they got down there to run 50 laps on those tires and get the fuel mileage that they got, um, not only Joey Logano and Chase Elliott, but Denny Hamlin, I think they were also looking at playing, um, you know, that they would get a caution at some point in time. Somebody was going to mess up somewhere or somebody was going to do something and it was just going to cost, you know, those other teams that, you know, short pitted sometimes and were on the regular strategies in order to maybe put them a lap down knowing that was the only way they were going to catch them. Yeah, I think definitely that, I mean, when you're up against Harvick and Keselowski, there's not much you can do at that point in the race, but pull some strategy and try to at least improve your finishing position from where you were running. Not much you can do beyond that. Yeah, because the strategy changed after the second stage. If you notice, they were kind of on the same strategies as everybody was within stage one and then stage two, and it was just shortly after that um, when... You know, they came across the radio and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and stay out and run as long as we can. Again, hoping for that elusive caution. With NASCAR, you never know. I mean, sometimes there's some inconsistency stuff when you see something on the track or some type of a debris. Um, I listen to uh, Brett Griffin a lot with Clint Boyer um, during each race, and they're always coming across the radio saying they're looking for debris. So you just never knew. Yeah, I actually also listen to Brett Griffin and Clint Boyer. There is a fun bunch. But, yeah, you definitely always hear those mutterings of cautions or uh, debris on the track. But it seems like the last couple of years since we've had stage racing, really, there have been less and fewer uh, debris cautions than in the past. Yeah, I think the NASCAR has kind of really gotten into this, you know, let, let's see what happens. Let's let's not just throw the caution out to throw the caution out. Um and, and as we all know, sometimes that just gets missed. Um, you know, they just don't see it or something comes out. But then sometimes we have where cautions just fly out for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I think getting on to our next point, uh, the Camaros, like we were talking about earlier, they did not have what the Fords had or even what, the, what a couple of the Toyotas had. They were struggling all day. Yeah, I mean, qualifying ran really well. I mean, you had Ryan Newman that qualified second. Um, 
you know, in his Chevrolet. But then as the race got started, and again, these are still new cars. They're going to struggle a little bit, as, as did the Toyotas did several years ago when, you know, they really first got started. When Joe Gibbs went over, everybody thought they were going to struggle, you know, with the Toyotas. But with the Camaros, it's a little different. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, you know, you throw Daytona out, right? That's a whole completely different animal um, all year. And, you know, really when you get on these mile and a halfs with a new car um, and it's all new to these teams, um, they struggle. I mean, it, it, it really, really showed. I don't think that there was any, I think one, uh, Ryan Newman led a little bit early on one time for 17 laps. But other than that, you know, there was just nothing. I mean, their highest finisher was, you know, Kyle Larson, who finished ninth. When was the last time you could say a Chevrolet finished, you know, no higher than ninth? Yeah, I mean, you saw Newman. I don't really know what happened to his car, but it seemed like he was really struggling after he led that period of laps. He led those 17 laps, and then he just dropped like a rock that uh, got into the wall. I don't know if it was a tire issue or what, but that ruined his day. Yeah, and again, I mean, you talk about the Chevrolets and the struggles they've had. I mean, look at, you know, Hendrick. Hendrick Motorsports did really pretty much absolutely nothing. I mean, Jimmy Johnson has that spin, uh, you know, after the after the first stage, I think it was, or after the second stage, and, you know, just really could never get back in and do anything at that point. Ended up, you know, four laps down total. Um, the 88, Alex Bowman struggled a little bit. Again, three laps down for him. Um you know, again, just nothing coming out of the Hendrick Stables, you know, on their mile and a half, which, again, is pretty much their bread and butter over the last several years with that team. Yeah, I mean, the only real anything we saw out of uh, Hendrick was Elliott's finish in 10th, but even that, he ran worse than that all day. I think that was his best running position pretty much. Yeah, I think at the end of the race, and I think a lot of that had to do with what we just talked about with strategies, yeah. um, trying to run those 50 laps, you know, on, on that set of tires and on that fuel run. So, um, yeah, not a not a great day. I think the Chevrolet teams were ready to get out of Atlanta um, as quickly as possible, but we're going to have to see what they do this week when they go to Vegas. Yeah, that's going to be a real indicator, I think. I mean, Atlanta, with your youth, you really don't know what to expect, but Vegas is a little bit smoother of a track. Should be a little bit easier to drive for some of the younger guys like Byron and Elliott and uh, Alex Bowman. Yeah, I think so, and I and I think you'll see. You know, there's another team out there. You know, we talk about Richard Matter, Richard Petty Motorsports, who just jumped over to Chevrolet. You know, with that affiliate with RCR and and, and Bubba Wallace, and you know, after the good run he had at Daytona. Um, coming in second place again to see that team struggle even worse um, this past week and you know have that tire failure at the end of the end of the event which kind of moved them all the way back into 32nd place was kind of not the showing they did but you know again that team has struggled meaning Richard Petty Motorsports has struggled over the last several years on mile and a half so that's still going to take some time to get that program up and running as well oh yeah I think uh I think he was running like 25th most of the time, Bubba Wallace was. But he had that collision with Stenhouse after Bane blew the engine, couldn't see anything, and got in the back of Stenhouse, and that pretty much ended his day. But even before that, it was very good. Yeah, absolutely. And for those, you know, people saying, well, God, how does that happen? You know, well, listen, when you're a spotter and you're way up there, as I am on several of, you know, teams that I work with, 
it's almost impossible to see when you have an engine explode and the air is just that thick. That smoke goes nowhere. You literally cannot see. Yeah, I saw a uh, in-car shot of Bubba just throwing his hands up like, what was I supposed to do? And obviously, he didn't quite realize how thick that smoke was, even for the spotters. Can't see a thing through that. Yeah, and I think his spotter, you know, had sent out some tweets earlier this week saying, you know, man, I'm so sorry. And, and I think Bubba had the great answer coming back saying, listen, we do this as a team. There was nothing you could do. There was nothing I could do. It's just one of those freak things that happen, you know, on a course of a race. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, that that's just terrible when you're, you know, plowing through a bunch of smoke like that and you can't see a thing. Yeah, definitely was a uh, sight to behold from some of the onboards. I mean, you just got to hope and keep going forward because no use in stopping yeah no that's absolutely true i completely agree with you on that one but uh and then you when you talk about the uh the dominant drivers last year you talk about kyle larson and martin truex jr and kyle bush you really saw nothing out of any of them partially probably because the fords were so good but you saw Kyle Busch lead, what, nine laps, and Truex lead a lap, and Larson led nothing. Yeah, I was really surprised by that with the Kyle Busch. I mean, Kyle Busch goes out and sits on the pole. Now, granted, I know that's one lap and then three different sessions that you go out and, you you know, he ends up grabbing the pole. I was really surprised the fact that he only led nine laps total all day long. Um it's just uncharacteristic of that, you know, Joe Gibbs team, especially on the mile and a half. And again, you talk about Martin Truex Jr. not really leading anything, I think, one time for one lap. And that probably ended up where it was after a caution um, had come out. Um, and, and that car, you know, that team struggled uh, all weekend long, uh, meaning with Martin Truex Jr. They never got to complete a lap in qualifying. Um, they failed qualifying tech three times on Friday. So to have to start 35th back there and come all the way up to 5th shows that he had a fast car, but, yeah, just could never get to the lead. Yeah, it seemed like he was really good in traffic. He could pass those slower cars like they were nothing, but he got to, like, right between 5th and 10th and couldn't really do anything with it. Seems like something of that magic might be gone or it's still there and everyone else has got better. Well, you talk about the domination that he had last year. I don't think Martin Truex Jr. and that team really understood what it meant when they say dirty air is really hard to run and pass in last year. They were always out yeah. in front. Now, with having to you know fail that qualifying tech three times and then to turn around and have to start 35th, now you've got to fight a lot of that dirty air on those mile-and-a-half tracks. And, you know, yeah, Atlanta is really not the place you want to start in the back. I know that they were very disappointed, and Cole Pern was just, you know, beside himself to figure out why that wasn't, you know, being able to get through tech. But they, you know, they persevered. Like I said, you know, and they came up to fifth place. So, you know, he had to pass a lot of cars. Oh, yeah. It seemed like they were good in dirty air early on, and then... Just something fell off in his car or whatever, but they just could not really advance past then. But it seems like that uh, qualifying did them favors last year. I mean, he won three poles last year, led a lot of laps. I mean, over 2,000 laps. And it seems like if he doesn't start up front or very near the front, that maybe that's not quite the case. 
Yeah, I think we'll have to see what happens this weekend in Vegas. You know, again, another mile and a half track. Most of these teams are, you know, taking that same uh, Atlanta car or something similar to that from back in the shop. Um, they were able to get back into the shop, you know, being that they were able to get it in without any rain, you know, delays other than you know, maybe a short hour, hour and a half that they had. Um, get those cars turned around and get them out of there this, you know, this afternoon heading out to Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see how that Martin Truex and that 78 team does this week. If they seem to struggle here again, um, then I think they're going to have to start panicking about their mile-and-a-half program. Yeah, I mean, you would think with the uh, 77 team disappearing uh, and them getting all their resources back, because I know that was a big uh, topic of discussion among that team is that Pern, Cole Pern wasn't happy with uh, that 77 taking some of their resources. And uh, you would think that with those resources back, they would be even better, but we'll have to see at Vegas. Yeah, I think that, you know, you're right. I, I think having all those resources back together should make that team a lot better. But it could have been that, you know, again, you, you win the championship one year, you kind of sit back, you kind of look at things. Um you know, and, and by the time you know it, it's time to go to Daytona and get the season started. So not really sure what that team did to basically improve on what they did last year. It just seems like they thought that they would be able to come right out and do it again. And um, again, Atlanta is a tricky track, um, you know, with, with, with the asphalt that they have there. It, it does make it one little thing where your car is off and you could go from first place or second place all the way down to that 10th place position. So, again, uh, Vegas will be the key for that team. Yeah, and Vegas will be a key for a lot of teams. Like we said, Hendrick, I mean, even the uh, Gibbs cars, the rest of the Gibbs cars, can they win there or lead more laps than they did? We'll have to see. At least get up to the top five. I mean, you know, again, with with not really having anybody up there except for Denny Hamlin. Um, again, and that, I think, fell into play based off the strategy we talked earlier Yeah. Um, you know, with that. So we'll just have to see how, how they rebound. Um, again, I think Eric Jones will do something this year. I was a little disappointed in Daniel Suarez. I thought that team would be able to pick some stuff up, um, you know, and, and kind of make a, you know, a little bit of a charge, especially here in Atlanta. Um but, you know, again, the difference in the tracks, and, and you said it earlier, we'll see how, you know, how they rebound at Vegas, being that it is a little smoother track and better asphalt. Yeah, and speaking about Jones, I mean, he didn't run that well all day, but it seemed like he sort of appeared there. I mean, he was outside the top 20 at the beginning of the race and made his way slowly up and kind of surprised me at the end with that 11th place finish. Yeah, I mean, he started in the top 10. He started actually 10th there, and then he, you're right, he did. He dropped back from 15th to 20th place pretty much all day long until they got to that last, you know, handful of laps and was able to make a, you know, make a little bit of a run. So, again, still new to that team as well. They're still learning him, and he's still learning the, you know, the team. Um, crew chief is the same as, he, as he's had, so, you know, it makes a little bit of a difference. Um, you know, so we'll see how he, he runs with that. Yeah, and uh, on to the next topic, we have uh, the failures with the new mandated pit guns that NASCAR has. I know Cole Pern was uh, commenting that they were pieces of essentially garbage, and uh, I know a few other people had things to say on that topic, and a lot of, a lot of I know one team had a hose failure, 
I think Harvick had the hose blow up on him, and uh, that set him back. I think that's why Keselowski won stage two instead of Harvick. Yeah, I think they had to come back in and pit. I don't think they, you know, I think you're right. I think they had a hose problem, which, you know, didn't enable them to get all the lugs tight all the way around. And rather than run it and and risk something happening, um, knowing that they had such a dominant car, it was easy to come back in and pit and, you know, kind of go, you know, where they needed to start back in the back there and um, came up through. But you're right. I mean, the 78 team struggled all day long with every single pit stop they had. They, you know, they they had not just one, but two guns. It looked like they had a problem. Um, They also had some problems at Daytona. Like you said, Kevin Harvick here in Atlanta had a problem. I think that uh, there was over a handful that had, you know, problems, all the way across the board. So it's interesting to see what NASCAR is going to do with that. I mean, I know Steve O'Donnell said that they were going to get that all cleared up, but hey, who knows what that means. They yeah, could... I, don't, I don't know how you clear that up. I mean, you've got a company, you've got a signed contract with them. You know, how do you make them better? I mean, you know, you're taking the pit stops now, and you're instead of going from a 12.5-second pit stop, you're dropping it back down to 15 and 16 seconds. So anybody that's, you know, within that range is got a pretty good idea plus you know let's not blame it all on the pit guns let's let's talk about also the new uh you know the new pit crew format where now you really only have five guys going over the wall completely yeah i think that's definitely played a role i mean we've added what probably four seconds to the average four tire pit stop from the blistering 11 12 second pit stops to now 16 or so Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's bringing it back to my days, back when you were in the 70s and the 80s and you were able to watch it and guys would come in and it would be like, wow, they're like sitting there having a cigarette and, you know, drinking a whole bo- you know, bottle of water. They didn't have to just throw it in a car and they could drive off with it. You know, they actually had to sit there and drink the bottle of water. So, yeah, no, it's, it, it's nice to see that. I just don't like to see where they have the pit gun, you know, errors. But, you know, those things are going to happen with a new you know, a whole new format and a whole new setup, so. Yeah, I definitely think that it should be more in the pit crew's hands. I mean, you're going to have equipment failures, but you definitely saw more than we've seen in a long time, maybe ever, in terms of the equipment failures on pit road. I think you're seeing it more and more because it's all so new. Um, I think that you had teams that, you know, when they had their own pit guns, Um, And they were servicing their own pit guns and making them faster and designing ways to make them faster. That they had pit gun, you know, issues, you know, during a course of a race or over a couple, you know, races here and there. But it wasn't as magnified or glorified as it is now because everybody's using the same gun. If you had a problem before, well, you just had another one in the box and you just pulled it out and then you went on to the next pit stop. You never really heard about it. But again, now that all 40 teams, you know, only have two guns per team, you know, with one extra, I think, in the box um, that they have, I think they each get three for the weekend and they're assigned to that team um, through NASCAR. It, it, you know, it makes it a little difficult and it's, it's, you know, more media mainstream now. Yeah, and I think that uh, I, I do wonder if... Uh, crew chiefs will get a better view of their pit stops because you have the issue of tires coming off like we saw with Kyle Busch in the truck series. They don't want to get suspended. They want to watch closer and stop the driver if they didn't get any lug nuts tight. 
Yeah, no, totally agree with you. I mean, you're right. We did see that in Atlanta with the Kyle Busch with the four, you know, with the tire coming off as he was leaving pit road. Uh, the second time in two years, I might add, with that team, or second time within three years um, with that team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, teams will teams will slow it down. I mean, I'd rather do a 17-second pit stop and go to the back and, and come through depending on the track that they're on um, rather than take that suspension. Yeah, definitely. And I know uh, Kyle Busch's crew chief got suspended from just the truck series, I believe. And that crew is an SHR crew. I don't think they got any uh, any suspension, which is well, they, probably a good thing. They got a suspension that the three three race suspension for the truck series only. So it doesn't affect anything they do on the cup side. I think one of them is a Clint Boyer. I think the tire or the Jackman was from Clint Boyer's crew and the the uh, the tire changer was from Kurt Busch's crew. I'm not exactly sure which one was which. Um, but they they will only be suspended if they work in a truck series, you know, event. They can't work a truck series for three races. So, you know. That's kind of good to see. I'm glad NASCAR did that and didn't make that suspension go all the way across all three series like they would if it was a crew chief. So if it was a crew chief, he can't do anything for three races on any side. Yeah, I think that's definitely a uh, an advantage in terms of not disadvantaging the SHR crews who really had nothing to do with it besides obviously pitting the car. But disadvantaging Clint Boyer or Kurt Busch would definitely be outside the realm of what should be nascar's uh realm of uh justice i guess well i think nascar did the right thing in doing that just like you said i mean uh, listen nascar you know limited the number of people that can now go over the wall to service the car from a tire changing perspective and the fueler only doing the you know the fueling only can't do anything else you know, touching the car during that stop. So they've actually limited, you know, two people's jobs across each team. So if you take 40 teams, you know, on the cup side and you take 40 teams on the, you know, on the Xfinity side and, and 30 some, well, you know, that's several hundred jobs that you've actually taken away um, for people. So to, to, you know, utilize other teams, pit crews, when you have, you know, three series all in one track, you're not going to have that. So I think NASCAR did the right thing and making it only for truck series. It just keeps, you know, KBM now has to go and get, you know, two other people, um, you know, which they have, you know, around or they can use from other teams to, you know, to, to come in and, and fill that position until that suspension is over. Yeah, I think for any team to have that happen to, I think KBM is one of the ones that'll be able to get up and keep going and probably not even probably won't even notice if unless they talk about it on tv i think they have such depth in uh in their personnel that you won't even notice the difference yeah i mean i i think they can utilize guys from gibbs now they can utilize you know which i was really shocked to hear that the jackman and the tire changer actually comes from Stuart haas who's a ford team to be working with kbm who's a toyota team yeah, I mean, I'm definitely surprised at that. I mean, given SHR doesn't have a uh, truck program, that kind of makes sense. But crossing the manufacturer lines is a little bit surprising. 
Yeah, that was that was really shocking to see that, or to hear that. Actually, I mean, like you said, you would never know because they don't really publicize or they don't get media sized, you know, with the crews, with the Jackman and that. Unless there's either a a mistake or b, uh, you know, they did well. And so in this case, it just unfortunate had to be a mistake. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be able to get you know at least two other people for the next three races. You know, they're they're out in Vegas this week, which is a uh, yeah, changing the schedule from over the last couple of years. Normally, they run Daytona, Atlanta from the Camping World Truck Series, and then they're off for five weeks. And this year is a little bit different. They've got three races in a row, and, and then they're off for, you know, four weeks. So they've added that extra Vegas weekend there. Yeah, I'm definitely glad about that. I mean, it definitely seemed like there was a huge gap after Atlanta where you wouldn't see any Truck Series racing. I think it was till April. I think Martinsville was the first one, and... I definitely love the truck series, so I'm glad to see them adding a race there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think having that five-week break, you know, helps the teams because they, you know, they have that time to finish preparing trucks because, you know, the next truck they have to get prepared after that is Martinsville for the truck side. So good to see that they add that third race to them. Gives them a little bit, you know, less of time off. Plus, then the next thing they do is, you know, they'll have some additional time to, uh, you know, to just kind of sit down and reevaluate the team and where they stand after that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, on the topic of the past race at Atlanta, I mean, uh, seeing that repave that they've been talking about forever, um, I mean... I don't know if that's going to happen soon or not, but now it seems like more and more people are against it. After this race, there have been hardly any talks of actually repaving the track like there were last year. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, with the drivers, you know, from the cup side, and I th even think on the Xfinity side, and, and, and quite frankly, even the Camping World Truck Series, and all three of those guys were, you know, kind of you know all together this weekend I, I, I guys like to see that type of track they don't want to just run out there and run around for three hours and have no input in the steering wheel guys want to be able to work a little bit uh, they want to make it fun they like the slip sliding around I mean yes that makes the car go faster and it does a lot more you know with tire wear and things like that but Man, there's nothing more than having to go out and, and show who has the talent rather than just riding around and who has the money. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, it is a driver's track. I mean, it's the epitome of a driver's track. The completely rough surface. I mean, Jeff Gluck had his uh, quiet track segment, and you could just see how pretty much gravelly the track was. I mean, it was like your streets, like your normal streets, are even worse than that. I mean ate away the tires like cheese like a cheese grater pretty much yeah it reminds me of myrtle beach speedway if you've ever been to myrtle beach speedway when you go out when you're there for a race whether it's late models whether it's the old hooters pro cup series or even when it was xfinity way back when it was the bush series when they would run there as part of their short track program um guys would be told don't go out and scrub your tires just ride around as straight as you can and don't turn your tire. Because with even if you were to go out, even on a, uh, you know, like a qualifying, sometimes they'd go out and do scrub sessions. Um, I know when I was with the Hooters Pro Cup team, we used to go down there every year when they had their north-south. 
And we would not go out for the scrub session. We would just go out and just ride around and come back in and then clean off the tires. It's like that at Atlanta now. You can't even, I mean, you would probably go out there and scrape up your shoe if you were to walk around that track and drag your foot. So, you know, it, it, it's very abrasive. Um, but like you said, the drivers love it. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's a driver's track, like I said, and uh, I it's hard to say how long it'll last. I mean, they're going to have to repave it at some point or else it's going to be considered unsafe, but we can hope that it lasts as long as possible, definitely. Yeah, I think they will do a repave. I think what you'll see is, is definitely not before the, you know, next year. I think they'll let it go through next year, but eventually... You know, that track's going to come up. That track's going to start tearing up in certain things. And, you know, we don't want to see the same thing that happened in Martinsville, you know, a couple years ago where Jeff Gordon was coming around. He was in the lead going into turn three and part of the track come up and damage the whole front end of his car and end up not winning. You definitely wouldn't want to see that at Atlanta because that could cause a pretty nasty accident, you know, at those speeds. Yeah, I remember in at Dover, I think in 2013, Jamie McMurray hit a chunk of track and that, killed his the front end of his car um so that definitely took a little while to repair yeah. and of course that's also concrete it's a whole different ball game yeah it is it's a whole different ball game but i think it, you know like you said it's so abrasive and you know i i can't i can't I always go back to the myrtle beach i mean this you know the the stories that i have that i could tell from people you know going around that track if you know you looked at atlanta and you looked at myrtle beach you would think that they were made out of the same asphalt yeah, I definitely uh, think it's uh, still a fun track. I would love to see it get a second date. I know it used to, and uh, I think it used to have its a weekend in September. Um, I'd love to see it get another weekend back, but I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. Yeah, the schedules are kind of made out here for the next, what, three to five years, so it's kind of tough to change. I mean, you would have to take a track... You know, uh, you'd have to take another one away from another track, and I think they just did that not that long ago, um, you know, by adding second dates um, to a few other tracks and taking some. So they took away the, uh, I think Loud New Hampshire had two dates, and they took away one of those. So, you know, those schedules are pretty much set. But I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, having another race in, uh, in Atlanta in September or even early October, I think, would be, you know, fantastic. And to be able to do the compare between a February and an October race, I think would be fantastic. Yeah, and I think uh, it's such a big market. It seems like a no-brainer for NASCAR. Obviously, there's so many other variables that come into play, but it seems like a no-brainer to have a couple of races there. Yeah, I think the attendance does quite well. I think, you know, obviously this weekend it was, you know, down a little bit just due to the fact of the weather because nobody knew whether or not it was going to rain or not. And and so I think it even surprised NASCAR when they you know, came across and said that they, you know, it'd be a two-hour window and then there would be, well, you know, we can, we'll start at 4.30 and then it was, a, you know, that was at 2.30 and then within an hour they were, you know, getting in their cars and starting the engine. So, you know, it kind of made a little bit of a, a difficult scenario and, you know, people just didn't think they were going to get it in. So the attendance was down this time. But, yeah, adding a second race date I think would only benefit you know, all the way across the board, especially in that Atlanta market. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I thought uh, I thought we were going to deal with a Monday race, definitely. Yeah, I was prepared to set my DVR. <laughs> I really did not think that 
that they were going to get an opportunity to race on on Sunday at all. If not, it was going to be a late night, and I was either going to have to set my DVR up because I wasn't going to be able to watch it that late because going to work on Monday, or I was just going to have to go ahead and set it up and set the DVR, you know, for even Monday. Yeah, I was I was waiting for them to call it at like ten or eleven o'clock that morning. I was like, they was not even going to let it past the uh, scheduled start time. Yeah, I think it's. I have to tell you, I was listening to Steve O'Donnell on SiriusXM the other day, and and he said the same thing. He was, you know, he was very surprised that not only were they able to able to get halfway, but they were able to finish everything without having a rain delay in between. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they never had a rain delay. That's the really shocking part. I mean, they all but guaranteed rain, and somehow it held off. And then it started raining right after. I was watching some of the. Uh, the post-race interviews, and they said it started raining right after they got out of their cars. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, that's that's one thing that uh, you never know with Mother Nature, and, uh, you know, the old Daryl uh, Waltrip always said, the vortex goes around, it keeps the rain away. And yeah. Obviously it did, because as soon as the cars hit pit road, uh, you're right, it started raining. Yeah, there might be something to that, after all. I'm starting to believe that myself. <laughs> but uh, going on to next week, we have... Las Vegas, we got the uh, 1.5 miler once again, and I think we can really see the same teams. You got your Harvick and Keselowski, and we might see the Toyotas make a little bit more of an appearance, but it's really hard to say. Well, I really hope to you know see that the uh, you know the Chevrolet teams come up like you know like we talked about earlier in the show. You know, Atlanta was a huge struggle with them, other than qualifying again for. You know Ryan Newman, but then struggled in the race. I'd really like to see them do something. I'd like to see some parity between the between the manufacturers all the way across. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes down, especially in Vegas, you're going to see guys like Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, uh, even Denny Hamlin. I'll throw in there. Um, you know, and, and my wild card this weekend. You know, if I had to pick a wild card, or if I had to pick anybody that I thought would do well. Uh, kind of a toss-up between Eric Jones, and I really think William Byron's going to come out and do something. I think with a little bit of a smoother track, and then, you know, Hendrick still, you know, again, as we talked about, going through the struggles um, with the Camaro and, and with that team and getting everybody all together and back on the same page. Um, that's my kind of dark horse this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the young drivers are definitely going to uh, make more of an appearance than they did this week with the smoother track and really more of a setup racetrack uh, versus Atlanta. I think that uh, I, maybe Ryan Blaney, you could see Ryan Blaney, you could see uh, Alex Bowman, I think. And I think he's going to really come into his own when we get towards Phoenix. I mean, he won, he almost won there a couple of years back in Dale Jr.'s car when he was subbing uh, when Jr. was hurt. I That really impressed me, leading all those laps and very nearly winning until he's run, running with Matt Kenseth. But I think he'll uh, start to shine more than people maybe expect. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, and I do like your, you know, your pick with Ryan Blaney. And, 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 you know, and again, I think if you, you, know, you look at it, I think you could also talk about Chase Elliott in that. I mean, there is a handful of teams that you can talk about between the, you know, the young guns, per se, versus the veterans. Um, 
you know, uh, for Vegas. And again, with, with Alex Bowman and Phoenix, you're right. I mean, he did almost win there a couple years ago and, you know, sat on the pole out there. And I think that'll be, you know, a little bit of positive for him. He, uh, you know, ran well at Daytona and then, you know, had a little bit, you know, had the problem later on and, um, you know, just kind of hung around there all day and then didn't really run well in Atlanta. I think that, you know, once he gets through Vegas and gets to Phoenix, I think that's where you're going to see that 88 team start to shine a little bit, get a little bit of confidence, and then go from there. Yeah, I think uh, him and Blaney, I think Blaney's probably going to shine at the larger tracks more than anything. I mean, we saw him win at uh, Pocono, I think it was, last year, and I think... He and Larson definitely shine at those larger tracks. I mean, Larson, you've seen him at Michigan. Uh, I think those two, and I think really a lot of the young guns will dominate on the larger tracks. I think so, and I think that's just because they're younger and they're not afraid. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know, there's really no other way to put that other than I think that that could come down, you know, come down to that, and... Uh, you know, those teams that they're running for are actually really good teams. So it's not just the driver, but it's the team that has experience there. Each team has, you know, several people that are still on each one that um, you know, the experience just pays off. And the crew chiefs. I mean, it, you know, it's not like the 70s and the 80s where you had to go out and you had to really work at it. Now with all the racing simulators and, you know, things that these guys are going through, they, they can get those cars fast right off the truck. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of fast young guns right out of the gate during a lot of the race weekends where you got the larger tracks, the tracks where they're, they tend to be more setup-based, sometimes can be easier to drive. I think we'll definitely see a different mix of guys running up front. Absolutely, I think you'll see you'll see a bunch of the you know as you said earlier, bunch of the same guys. But I think you're going to have some new guys um, coming out here. I just hope that with these mile and a half tracks, um, especially with the Camaros now with the Fords, you know, still running the older design, getting ready for their new design to come out. Toyota's been out now, um, going into the second year. Um, we we have you know a parity across all four um, to be able to come out and do do something yeah i mean i think we'll definitely see a bigger mix of manufacturers than uh than at atlanta i mean we saw all those fords and that was really about it in terms of leading laps but i think yeah. the toyotas and i think the chevys eventually will come up and start to fight and really create some parity later on i think so can't wait for vegas yeah i'm excited definitely gonna be a fun weekend triple header Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See how that goes. Yep, that'd be interesting. Can't wait to see that. All right. Uh, I'm Matteo Marqueski. He's Brian Donati. And we'll see you next week on the Uncontrolled Tire Podcast.